The Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute provides educators access to nonfiction 9-11 resources for K-12, first-person curriculum with video, Discovering Heroes book series for kids, and a speaker's bureau with access to 9-11 first responders, survivors, and loved ones. A high-tech 83-foot tractor trailer that transforms into an interactive museum with artifacts and Russell F. Siller Memorial Scholarships for exemplary high school students of program recipients preparing for college. Never forget, donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome in, everyone, to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. It is DJ at Joined, as always, by my co-host, Kelsey. And Kelsey, it's been quite the week in sports. We got some good, we got some bad, we got some ugly, and we got some sorrow as well, too. It's been it's been a very busy few days. Kind of sums up the whole 2021, if we, if we really look at it. I mean, it's been, this last week has just been a microcosm of what 2021 has brought us. Absolutely, as well, too. We got a lot to get into. We're going to change up some things in the main event here. But, of course, we are going to start things off with the tip-off. Brought to you by Dr. Squatch. Smell like a man. Feel like a champion. Go ahead and click the link in our bio and get everything you need there as well, too. Various different types of soap or deodorants. Everything you need, even after the holiday, you can still get something for yourself or your loved one. And Kelsey, we'd be remiss not to start this one off by talking about the man, the myth, the legend, John Madden himself as well, too. The ultimate football innovator passing away at the age of 85 just a few days after the All Madden documentary aired as well, too, on Christmas Day. And Kelsey will... Go right to you. When we say, what what are your thoughts on this one? I mean, we, John Madden's been a crucial part of football since it seems like it's inception, really, honestly, as well, too. So this is kind of he, – he changed the game, I guess is the best way to say it. Look, he, he brought modern football into what it is today. Let's be honest about it. Uh, I don't think there's any way – he's managed to to bring something out of out of not a whole lot uh, that, that brings to people that otherwise would not have been – wouldn't would not have been able to really grasp the game of football. It's been a – Absolutely, as well, too. Him and Summerall as well when they were both on the call – we always used to always describe it as when I was on TSS fantasy show, I kind of described them as well too. It felt like they had a weird way of when they were calling the game, it wasn't like they were just telling you what was happening. It felt like they were sitting on the couch next to on either side of you. And you know They invited you in. They made you feel like you were part of the event. And John, man, once he broke out the, once he broke out that clicker started drawing the yellow lines on the screen, there was nothing quite like that. You felt like you were called, you were part of the play yourself as well too. You could see as soon as the play, I was like, Oh wow, that guy caught a five yard slant. He'd immediately start drawing on their breakout all of the lines, and suddenly it'd be a masterpiece work of art on the screen, showing you exactly what happened, how the offensive line worked, the other three, four receivers, how the quarterback saw it, and he made, as you mentioned, a game built on who hits harder and is more physically intimidating into a sweet science, almost if you will. Yeah. And what's crazy is we—he's known as a broadcaster to a lot of us, like especially in our generation. I was fortunate enough to see him in Summerall and those games they do sometimes some Monday nights and Sunday afternoons and whatnot. He was a Hall of Fame coach before that. Like 
in that 10 or so years with the Raiders, he was a Hall of Famer, a Super Bowl winning coach, and he has like almost three separate Hall of Fame careers in the in the world of football, it feels like as well, too, from broadcaster to coach to separate innovator as well. A revolutionary coach in some ways. He he brought a lot of different aspects to the game that uh, people were, weren't ever really prepared for. Obviously, you have innovators like him. You have Bill Walsh at the time, and, and it's it's unique because – and who's done it ever since? Like, I can't think of a single coach who's been on that level of just, I don't know, I wouldn't say cutting edge, but almost cutting edge, you know, of the forefront of the game in, in, in a lot of ways. Absolutely as well, too. And on top, as a broadcaster, when we, 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 everyone has something wrong with somebody they listen to today. Like Tony Romo, people love or hate him. Chris Collinsworth, a lot of people seem to hate him as well, too. And you can just go down the list. feels like everyone's like, oh, they're good, but oh, they're okay this. Okay, they're they that. Or I despise them. With Madden hit back then, it was never really even John Groom when he was on Monday Night Football, like, oh, he's fine, or you hate him. With Madden, it felt like there's never anything quite like that. I feel like the crowd that didn't like him was so small and few and far between that felt like he was one that everybody could relate to when they watched the game. He whenever he was on, it felt like no matter if it was their favorite team or not, they were excited to see a John Madden called game. And that type of stuff is what inspired us to get into things like color cast as well, too. Like what made us try and get into that field. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, he he's a lot of what I try to be as a color cast, color commentary person to hear play by play. I look at us and I want to be, I want us to be Pat and, and Madden one day. I do it's huge shoes to fill, but at the same time, they're who I like to model us after. I mean, like that would be absolutely exceptional if we could ever have something along those lines. And it's it's a reason why we do get into color cast. It's a reason why we have had so much fun in color cast, and it's a reason why you know long you know when you look at the long game, it's it's why we're going to keep doing color cast and keep being a part of something so fantastic is because of the legacy that he started. Really, you look at you can play by play as you mentioned and no I, I don't think you, you outside of Pat Summerall and those two worked together for so long that you can kind of combine them into the same. They really brought what is play by play to another level that you can actually bring a game to an average person, make them understandable and have fun while doing it. And it's that's something that's uh, I mean like I'd love to captivate that. Absolutely. And that's just him as a broadcaster and as a coach. There's also him as the innovator for football as well, too, is honestly the architect behind the Madden NFL football game, which has been going on for Lord knows how long now, 30 plus years as well, too. And what's crazy is how it all started is basically John was I wanted a realistic football game, 11 v 11, because at the time they had nothing like that. And to yeah. get it started, he literally lent them an old playbook so they could put together a pl plays for them as well, too. It's crazy how he got it started and the creative input he had early on and now it's one of the highest selling games you'll ever see. And granted, give or take what you, you can say what you want about the game here and there, especially in recent years. But the fact that we even have a have it an 11 on 11 football game is because of John Madden, nonetheless. Yeah, look, before that, it was what Tech Mobile, uh, I believe, where you have a play call, which is like a single user. Um, and it was it was not fun. Well, OK, it was, it was fun in its own right. But once Madden came, it was innovative. And it wasn't just a playbook. He gave them scouting reports. He gave them you know, tendency sheets. He gave them everything for teams and, and rosters and full breakdowns so that they could develop a game that actually played like you would play on a Sunday night. Like like you'd see played Sunday night football while he's getting ready to call a game or Monday night when he's getting ready to call a game. And, you know, it, it would just be something you experienced. And it's honestly some of my best memories playing video games are down into the Madden franchise. And, and uh, you know, I still remember the old intro where he would uh, walk up to the screen and the, I think it was like Madden, goodness, 08, I believe, is when they finally stopped using that and started using different player intros, or maybe it was 05. Um, but before that, it was always John Madden introing you into what is Madden football today. 
Absolutely as well, too. It's always sensational. And I haven't got a chance to see the Madden documentary yet as well, too. I'm still waiting. I still need to see that as well, too. I really look forward to it. And it's probably going to hit a whole lot different now that when you factor in everything as well. Yeah, it just started live streaming, uh, by the way, on ESPN Plus. So it is now out on ESPN Plus. That means Hulu. If you have Hulu uh, Plus, it's it's on there as well. Well, guys, um, so yeah, I'll be short so I can go watch it now. Nice seeing you guys. I'll be back. We'll be back later. Yeah, uh, no, I'll be watching it as well tonight. And now uh, that's for sure. It's uh, it was something that I missed. I, I honestly thought it was later in the day on uh, last Sunday, and then we both missed it, and we were like, "Wait, what? No crap! All right." So yeah, I was thinking like Christmas Day for some reason. In my head, I was thinking to start at like three or three thirty for some reason. But then I was like, "Wait, the game's at four. Duh, DJ. Like it just that part didn't click. So definitely look forward to watching that as well too. And he's a uh, very rarely do I do we like to let like people at least you and me personally, we let people we don't know things like this affect us. But the way John Madden did things as well too was such a big part of our lives from from afar, if you will, to really kind of change things. So it's definitely one that hurts more than others when it talks like celebrity, quote unquote, celebrity type deaths. So definitely someone that's going to be missed a lot as well too. And hopefully uh, some of the things we've learned from we're able, we're able to pass along kind of off of the unintentional coaching tree, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. No, it is uh, it is definitely one that, that affects you a little differently. We didn't, we didn't actually post anything on social yesterday which is uh rare for us to begin with and it was honestly mostly down to this whole thing because we knew we were going to cover it today and we wanted to give it it's it's just due and a, a simple tweet doesn't really enca- encapsulate what he meant to both of us when you know growing up and and what he's meant to this podcast as far as what we do in in our color cast lives i mean look color cast has allowed us our, our opportunity to try to emulate what they did and you know maybe we carry that torch a little bit somewhere Somewhere down the road. If they ever give us a chance to draw plays on the screen afterwards as well, too, it is over. But just saying <laughs> that now, that is ever an opportunity, and we get to actually break that out. It is a whole nother ball game. And one of my favorite calls he ever did was that game Monday night, Brett Favre, after his dad died against the Raiders, who had put up four touchdowns and 350 yards or whatever it was. It just went absolutely ballistic. That was some of John Madden's finest work as a play-by-play caller as well, too. That That's one that sticks out in my head specifically. Yeah, look, I honestly, I don't think about his play-by-play as much as when I learned about defenses and how to, like, block and everything one of the one one of the videos i always go back to is his d- explanation of the four six bears defense and just how unique it was where you have the, the refrigerator perry you have the three defensive tackles lined up it's offset it's you know the way he described it is so i was i mean i was like what nine ten years old when i'm watching this for the first time and the way he's describing this to a nine-year-old i understood it it made sense to me and i'm like Oh, wow. And then so he says the name Refrigerator Perry. And I'm like, wait, I'm going to look up this guy. Like, look up his highlights. And then I'm looking up this guy's highlights and looking up this free safety lined up in the box. And that led me to a whole different set of things. And and yeah, I like, I think of his breakdowns, just everything. It was, it. I was so enthralled by it. It was, it was so unique and, and fun for, for me growing up learning football. And it's, it's what helped me to get to where I am and my interest in football to where it is today. 100% me as well, too. So definitely, gentlemen, definitely going to be missed as well. And that'll take us into the main event presented by ColorCast. Uh, guys, we just talked about it, obviously, what what Madden meant to us. We get to do it every Sunday, every, every week on ColorCast, whether it be for college football, which we'll be doing both games on Friday, or for the NFL. We get to, we get to it, you know, take a little bit of his legacy and, and take it into our own. And, uh, you know, we're, we're excited that we, we get to continue our partnership with ColorCast. Hopefully 2022 brings a little bit even more fun for us in ColorCast. Who knows? We'll... Who knows what 2022 is going to ring? You, you know, they could just blow up every day and then maybe forget about us one day and then we'll just be like, ah, whatever. Or- it's, only, it's only up from here, right? Hopefully as well, too. Hopefully it's not up and then you drop off the loose baggage on the way up. So hopefully we're not the loose baggage. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, but no, that guys, it takes us to the main event. And we're going to do things a little differently this time. So normally, if you guys know us, you guys follow us. The main event is our three highs, three lows. But it's the end of 2021, which brings a whole lot of sports memories. We've just literally talked about on this podcast at some point in time, whether it be on our Olympic minutes, whether it be in our short cast on other people's cast, whether it be on our own podcast, whether it be during color cast. There's so many things we've talked about. And there's so many memories from this weird 2021. It's it's the first full year we've had with sports back after 2020, the just mess that it was. We won't even get but so having it all back as well, too. Definitely a lot to look into. Started off, it's still like pre still in the midst of a pandemic. We're still in the midst of it now. Things started to reminisce normal, then it started to spike up again. It's been a roller coaster of emotions, if you will, this year. Absolutely. So that's gonna lead us to each of us giving you our top five moments that stood out to us in 2021. And DJ, I'm gonna let you take this one away. All right, so we're going to start in the octagon as well, too. I'm going to go back to a UFC pay-per-view, but not just any UFC pay-per-view. I'm looking at the one where Kamaru Usman shut the lights off against Jorge Masvidal in Miami, Florida, back in April. This is one that we were actually on the call for, and this one sticks out to me because this was actually right after we both had our COVID-19 second booster shot. So we were both not 100% all the way there, if you will, as well, too. We were definitely feeling some of the effects, but this was absolutely electric in front of a full capacity of fans for the first time since the pandemic started. And he stole the show with a huge right hand that sent the sweat on George Masvidal's face going into the seventh row, it felt like. The way he shut the lights out on that one, the entire card top to bottom, three title fights. But that one moment alone is, my goodness, that one's going to stick out. And that's when Kamaru Usman went from really good, wow, he's tough, he's gonna be, he might be champ for a while, to, oh, that's a problem. That might that's a, that's a dude's dude right there. And I think when we were calling that one, as I mentioned, we were – Feeling it, if you will, from the from the COVID nineteen vaccination shot, our second one, and even then, we both nearly lost our minds when it happened, as well as we were calling that one on color cast. Yeah, I mean, look, we were. I don't, I don't know how we could describe how much we were. We, we I don't know how we were functioning that day. First of all, that was a rough one for sure. But uh, I, I mean, we were running on fumes, and then that that all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there's here's Usman knocking out Masvidal in what is I can only say like theatrical, exact like just dramatic spit going everywhere there goes mass at all Usman is just like pumped up and I was insane and and you kind of were you didn't know what to expect right because the last fight was just so much different Absolutely. so this one was just like wow that just happened like the, no one knew that Kamaru Usman was capable of that like he's a guy that could overwhelm you a great wrestler he could TKO you type of guy he had his last fight with Gilbert Burns he kind of won but that was more of a and eh, it wasn't quite as impressive mass at all a guy who Went five rounds with him on seven days of notice. Like, oh, full camp, this is different. Masvidal's a great stand-up striker. We're, we'll see if Kamaru can't take him down. Nope, just throws a 12-gauge shotgun at his face of a right hand that he has. And that's when it basically the one quote-unquote question was, like, can he KO people? How good is he on the feet? Well, he'd be who was considered at the time arguably the best striker in the division and absolutely starched him in what turned out to be a performance-winning 2021 for Kamaru Usman as well, too, from I found three, fight, three title fights, three wins for him. And that one was the ultimate exclamation point on top of it. Yeah, I mean, look, that was stunning. And honestly, let's be honest about it. The man deserves the BMF belt as well. If you're going to knock out the BMF that fast and that strong, like, give him the belt while you're at it because he's well-deserving of it. That man, Usman has proven that in 2021, especially at that fight with everybody coming back. This is the first time fans were in the stands. Like, we can't we can't understate how much that gave, like, goosebumps to us on the color cast call. We are listening to fans for the first time. When we had done... A couple of fights that didn't have fans. 
Like it was absolutely outstanding, and you enjoyed every single moment of it. If I mean, even from a neutral fan, like a fan that is a, I mean, honestly, I'm an average, I'm a casual fan, right? I'm not, I'm not into the X's and O's. I'm not into the the technician side of things like a lot of people are. And and I was enthralled by this this event and what Usman put on is everything you could have hoped for for a UFC event coming back after COVID. Well, DJ's got the cops. Hang on, we'll we'll give him a second here to to regroup here uh, as we, we talk about this. 2021 has been a uh, a hellacious moment for for us to say the least uh with when it comes to uh staying healthy and, and covid and everything while dj's getting healthy i'll come back to, we'll come back to kamaru usman what's dj's good while he does that though i'm gonna go back to mo- one of my moments for 2021 and i'm gonna give the browns first playoff win since the 90s since 95 their first playoff since 2003 we have i mean i can't i can't understate this enough uh this was an absolutely fantastic moment for browns fans everywhere who have known nothing but absolute struggles in their in their Browns fanship. I mean, you don't go to the playoffs for since the early 2000s. You don't go to you don't win a playoff game since 95 and not only do you win a playoff game, you win it emphatically over vaunted rivals, the Pittsburgh Steelers in what was an absolute landslide 48 to 37. This is when we were supposed to call on color cast. By the time we got our technical difficulties solved, the game was already out of hand. <laughs> it was already well out ahead, it was 28 nothing in the end of the first quarter there, and it was well and truly over, and that was when we knew the Browns finally getting off the snide there and, and getting a victory, and DJ, it looks like you're, you're feeling a little better now. Uh, how are you doing after that? I think, think we'll be all right. Just looking back on the performance as well, too, get, gets my whole immune system shaken up as well, too, and even including that Browns win. Like that was, It was incredible to see the Browns back in the playoffs as well, too, since First time since they came back, if I'm not since like early, early 2000s. And then just the fact that they absolutely ran through their vaunted rival, as you mentioned, they barely beat the Pittsburgh backup crew in week 17 by two points because the Steelers were resting. Everybody's like, okay, they're going to get in and they're going to get smoked. Juju, the Browns is the Browns. And sure enough, they came out and put on an absolute clinic. Yeah. And oh, by the way, I had to make sure to include, uh, where's my finger at? Hang on. This photo of Miles Garrett and Baker Mayfield touching shoulders. Because I guarantee this is the first part of Baker's injury that he's been experiencing all season. Of course, the dinosaur Miles Garrett caused it during that playoff victory. Sometimes just being in contact with Miles Garrett is enough to fracture a shoulder or at least get the lay down the foundations of what is soon to be a much more serious injury. Yeah, no, absolutely. But this was, I mean, you mentioned it. Since 2003, they don't go, they don't, they don't even go to the playoffs. Since 95, they haven't won a playoff game. The team that had existed and disappeared and then re-existed in the time frame since their last playoff victory. That's how crazy this whole, this whole like franchise has been. You've had over, I can't even count how many quarterbacks. Maybe a Browns fan out there can drop a comment, and I believe it was 22, 23 fa- quarterbacks over that period of time as well. More quarterbacks than you had years in between playoff appearances, and you finally get one. Now, granted, the rest of 2021 hasn't been the Browns' specialty, but you got to say this franchise – looking a lot better than they did at the beginning of 2020. It was definitely, it was a fantastic moment to look back on as well too. And whether it was short lived in a flash in the pan or the foundation for future success, we'll have to wait and see, but it was a great way to start off the new decade for Cleveland fans. Absolutely. So that's my number one. That's my first one. I'm actually kind of going to go in the yearly order. We'll see if I can keep up with that. I don't know if I can actually remember exactly when everything happened, but that's my first one. So DJ, go ahead. You had Kamara Usman. Who's your number two? Next up, I'm going to go to Giannis Antetokounmpo, and we're looking at his Game 6 performance in the NBA Finals, dropping a 50-piece when just two weeks ago he had a really gnarly hyperextended knee injury, and we were concerned he might not be able to come back at all. 
comes back for the NBA Finals. Game six, three up three to two, everything on the line. You don't want to go to game seven in Phoenix. Drops 50, hits three-pointers. He shot north of 50, 60%. He was hitting mid-range shots, fadeaways, 10 double-digit rebounds. It was absolutely sensational. He completely, we talked about as we were on the call for that one, he was bullying DeAndre Ayton, a true center, as a power forward. He was dunking on him. He was intimidating him. He was controlling the paint as well. It was an absolutely virtuoso performance by the two-time MVP and the defensive player of the year as well, too. And it's one that just kind of looking at it, you talk about guys that they had those moments in the finals where it just feels like they can't be stopped. It's their time. That's what it felt like with Giannis in this particular game, especially it felt like no matter what, no one was beating them that day. And now you can add finals winner and finals MVP to his resume. Look, that this man, you talk about the, the, the hyperextended knee. Let's not also forget about the elbow as well, the hyperextended elbow. I mean, we saw how much that affected him even going so far as where a pad underneath a shooting sleeve on his arm during the rest of that game. And you can actually see it a little bit in the picture there. You can still see the shooting sleeve there that was keeping the swelling down. And look, that smile is, it tells you everything, right? That smile tells you exactly how much it meant to him. And uh, I mean, this was, I don't know if there's a better guy in the NBA. Like as far as it's a guy you kind of root for, that's just, maybe it's because he's naive. Maybe it's because he hasn't experienced a lot of these things, but you just sit here and root for the guy. Unless you're and, James Harden, there's a little bit of beef there, but anybody yeah. else, yeah, <laughs> yeah, everybody but everybody with James Harden roots for him, I guess. But uh, yeah, no, and it's you know, it's it's one of those things you're just like, I don't know. I enjoyed every single moment, and you really needed a performance from him like that, the 50 point performance, just to kind of get rid of the the nuisance that was the Suns. It felt like no matter what the Suns did or what he did, the Suns were always just kind of right there, and vice versa. The Suns, no matter what they did, Giannis kept this this team in the in in the playoffs. And for Milwaukee, you talk about. Small markets don't win. Well, Milwaukee is the smallest NBA market, I think it's safe to say. And, well, they proved that theory wrong as well. Absolutely. And that was right after re-signing him before the season started. There was a little bit of talks during the offseason like, oh, are they going to re-sign him? He's coming in last year's contract. What's going to happen? Is he going to go to Golden State? Shortly later, ends up re-signing right after we did our predictions, ironically, as well, too. And then he goes on to lead them all the way as well. So it was a great moment. And then following up, going to Chick-fil-A and ordering a 50-piece chicken nuggets on top of it as well, too. How, How can you not like the guy on top of it? Yeah, look, first of all, you already know my love of Chick-fil-A. Um, if they ever wanted to sponsor it, it uh, sponsor us, they'd happily be number one on our list. Um, <laughs> no offense to anybody else out there, but uh, that's just, sorry, bias is going to bias. But at the same time, like, can you have any more of a thug moment like afterwards? Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not only going to go experience Chick-fil-A for the first time. I'm going to order a 50-piece. And by the way, his first 50-piece was comped by the restaurant. And then the next 50 piece he actually had to pay for. Hmm. So he actually ordered two 50 pieces on the same day at, at Chick-fil-A. Like, I'm sorry. That just, to me, that's the the quintessential, like, this is why I root for the guy, maybe. 100%. It's, I find myself, I find it really difficult to root against him. And we've seen him kind of grow up right before our eyes as well, just since he came into the league at such a young age. He was pretty active on social media accounts and that sort of thing as well, too. We got to see him more or less grow up from a really skinny kid, just kind of learn how to play basketball, to a finals MVP and world champion. Yeah, absolutely. It's been it's been a fun ride. And here's what's crazy. We still have another four to five years of this guy at his peak, guaranteed peak. Like, he could be a LeBron and go into an extended peak of another four to five years after that. So we might have eight to ten years of this man at his absolute peak existence. And I, 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 I am, if I'm any, any like, a leader in any stat career-wise, I'm worried I'm going to lose my stat, except for maybe free throws. And three pointers made. I think you're okay there. 
that one you might be able to get away with as well. You have Steph Curry with, to worry about there. Like, uh, and Steph is probably fine, and everyone with free throws and anything outside of the paint should be. I think they'll be okay. Yeah, absolutely. But no, that was a fun one as well. I honestly, this one I I love just because of the the I don't know. It's it, I won't say homeliness, but like just the this one just warmed my heart. Like this this whole thing, the whole Giannis thing, just warmed my heart in general. Absolutely, same with me as well too. So we got two of mine down, Kelsey. What were you looking at for the second moment that stuck out for you in this in the year of twenty twenty one sports wise? Well, I'm gonna stick with the NBA playoffs, but I gotta go back and fast and uh, rewind back into time to when Trey Young triggered Trey versus NYC. I mean, th- this was uh, can we have a better heel turn moment in the NBA? Like the WWE is calling, and they want to learn how you guys wrote a perfect t- heel turn like that because this was fantastic, Trey Young. And again, this is the return of of fans from COVID as well. At the same time, now there were some. Fans that stepped out of bounds. Let's not get it carried away here. But what Trey was able to do in this series, I mean, wow. Just just wow. Five games, 36 minutes a game, 29 points a game, 2.8 rebounds, nine assist, or 9.8 assists per game, 0.6 steals. It was insane. 44% field goal percentage, 34% from three, which was his only weakness, really. And you look at Trey and you're like, wait, that's a weakness? But yeah, his floater was second to none, 91 90 almost 92 percent from the free throw line it was absolutely insane he finished the series as a cumulative plus 47 which if anybody knows anything about plus minus plus minus cumulative maybe a 20 is is like above average plus 47 you destroyed the other team in your matchup that's all there is to that like that is insane uh it was it was fantastic and now you've seen it again this year uh like he's continuing his i don't like new york moment Mm -hmm. But this is continues. Like I, I love seeing Eastern Conference teams go to New York, and there's always that one guy that'll just have that moment in New York in front of Spike Lee. And I have both pictures up here, him trash talking Spike Lee on both of them. The three pointer on the on the on the dagger on the right. You got the shush on the left. The shush heard around the world, which was, man, this was like, I loved every moment of this 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 series. Personally, and let's not forget, this was his first playoff series ever. It's not like he's a seasoned veteran or anything. This is his first soiree into the big dance, and he's already shushing Spike Lee and holding up the three fingers. He's already doing this and putting in daggers. And he had, if it wasn't for guys like Luke and Devin Booker also having similar type ridiculous playoff runs, he'd have a case for the best first-time playoff run of all time as well, too. He was absolutely sensational. And it all started with getting down in the garden and getting mixing it up with Spike Lee like many other greats <laughs> have as well, too. And it, it doesn't get much better than that. So much so... We saw Julius Randle and some of the other Knicks players getting so proud of their game trying to match him. Yeah, like, look, you look at Julius Randle, play, comeback player of the year. Where was he in this series? Like, completely out of out of sorts. Yeah, I mean, the, honestly, the one player that actually stepped up for the most part was R.J. Barrett. And even that wasn't enough to do anything because you had nobody else stepping up. I mean, he was toasting point guards left and right. Ish Smith was just uh, good luck at that point in time. Derrick Rose, we already know his defensive deficiencies. He probably played the best defense against Trey Young, and that's not saying much because of the stats I just rattled off. Now, with that said, D. Rose was also doing his own thing on offense in a couple of those games. But there just wasn't enough for the Knicks in this one because Trey Young was just outstanding from top to bottom. And you consider their injuries as well. It was, man. And I just can't get over the him on the sideline and the spinning aside, the fans spinning on him aside, just that moment where it's literally 30,000 fans literally looming over Trey Young in that picture and you just see him just like, yeah, what up? Like rolling his shoulders, like having a good time, just getting pumped up. It was, it's everything playoff basketball is supposed to be in New York 
a little bit more than it's supposed to be, truthfully, but everything that you wanted it to be after fans returned from COVID. And the crazy part is it's not like it when other players to do it are like six eight, six nine, six ten, like bigger guys. He's like six feet tall, six foot one. He's the <laughs> smallest guy on the court, and he's still the one silencing thirty thousand people and rolling the shoulders and everything on top of it, which made it that much more surreal as well, too. And just kind of shows the new age of basketball we're in where the smallest guy on the court could quote unquote tear your team a new one just as easily as anybody else. Yeah, it was I mean, it was so much fun to watch. Like honestly, like I can't get over how much fun and we called this one on Colorcast. We called a couple of these games on Colorcast, and it was like the first one we called, we thought it was gonna be a wash. And it turns out, like halfway through the third quarter, it's like, oh wait, no, just kidding. Trey Young showed up. Uh, by the way, we're 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 not over. And then we called what game six, I believe, was the next one. And so it was so much fun. Like this, I can't wait to do it again this year. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping. I want I want another Trey Young versus New York again. Well, we get, well, let's hope so, right? Too. Let's definitely hope for that. So, so uh, for my third one moment that sticks out, I'm gonna stick with the we call this game on color cast trend. We're going with as well. Two things that we got to see up close and personal. I'm going to. The return of the Brady, Tom Brady's return to Foxborough, Sunday night football week four, him and Tampa Bay returning into New England. This was so huge, not just from a football perspective, just almost a culture perspective. Good Morning America was doing shows in Boston. You know darn well they don't care about football. That's how big Tom Brady has become. He's become almost bigger than the game, it feels like, as well, too. Seven Super Warnings going back to the place where he won six of them for the first time. Gets a nice tribute in. Weirdly enough, it was an oddly competitive game that was one almost in neither quarterback won the game between him and his replacement <laughs> and his the New England replacement quarterback Mac Jones. It was absolutely it was such a crazy moment leading up to it the whole week. You and I were on goosebumps. We were on edge the whole time. We got a chance to call and you could just feel a different type of electricity in the air early in that game. And of course, fittingly, it comes down to a field goal at the very end of it as well too. But this and then Peyton Manning's return to Indianapolis in 2013. Those are two of them are. Players leave and they come and go. It's a lot of mobility, like LeBron's return to Cleveland, stuff like the first time, those sort of things. Very few moments can compare, but I think this one might have even topped all of them. This was there were so many storylines with this one, right? You had Robert Kraft. How would he how would he react seeing Tom Brady again uh, on the field? Maybe off the field differently. Will Bill Belichick and him have a moment on the field? Turns out they had a small moment, but then they had a something afterwards that has had mixed. Uh, reception it seems after the fact um but both guys seem to enjoy it during the time mac jones can he continue to emulate tom brady or will he show that he can emulate tom brady you know will tom brady talk trash to mac jones pre like we there were so many things in this that you're just like huh i can't wait for this and when we, we were calling it and it was just something different there was it felt different right like everything about it it was just there was a new air air to it that you're just huh this is uh it's different it felt like a movie almost as well too, or like a TV show hitting a climax or the season, the series finale type of thing as well too. It just felt different as you mentioned. And the question was Tom, Bert, we know how meticulous the Patriots are. Do your job. We know how Bill Belichick runs basically an institution in itself as well too. It is just different. Tom Brady was the leader of that institution. He was the co-captain. Does he, how does that affect things now that he's on the other side? And how did they've seen Tom Brady practice for 20 years? Does that change things as well too? Like, the ultimate set of mind games on top of it because nobody knows them more than each other. Like when Peyton left the Colts and then came back, most of the guys he played with were already gone. Almost all the, the only thing that was consistent there was Jim Mercy and then a few role players here or there. LeBron leaving Cleveland, it was a little bit different. Like a lot of those players were kind of gone as well, too. He had a variety of coaches. This was Bill Belichick, Tom Brady's coach for 20 years, and then Tom Brady, Bill Belichick's quarterback for 20 years. Like no one knows each other better than them, whether they like it or not. So it was the ultimate cat and mouse mind game on top. And we saw that on the field as well. Yeah, plus on top of that, you add in the, the world, the the sorry, not world, the 
Super Bowl trophies on top of it. I mean, you have six Super Bowl trophies uh, at eight total, I believe, AFC Conference Championships over that time. Ten, actually, I believe. Ten, sorry, ten, ten AFC Conference Champions over that time. I think he went to an AFC Championship game 50% of the time in New England. There was yeah. a better chance of him going to the AFC Championship game than Steph Curry hitting a three. So you, you like like you take in all the winning that was done there, and all the like you you also have to include Tom Brady going down to injury and with with his knee coming back from that, and Bill Belichick supporting him the whole way, top, taking Bill under his or Bill taking Tom under his arms in the beginning of his career as well. Like there's a little bit of a father son type of mentality there, turned later into their life like kind of brother older brother type of situation, and uh, there was a lot that you just looked into this game, and there was just so much emotion, so much meaning. And you're right. It was kind of like that that season finale, or maybe that big boss moment. Uh, you know that you have like I have to for Tom. You have to overcome this big bad. And for the New England Patriots, can you get rid of the haunt that is Tom Brady's number? Like, can you get rid of the TB12 number in, in New England type of thing? Like, will you ever be able to replace him type of a situation, or will you have for Boston fans Babe Ruth all over again? Exactly. And you know what's even crazy when we talk about that? All the winning that was done there, they still had a decade between dynasties. Between the 2001 to 2004 dynasty and yeah. then the 14 to 18. Like they went a decade between two different dynasties, which is absolutely insane. Like the amount of time spent together, it's even more crazy to look back on and think, like, damn, how did they play this game? Like what really went through their heads? Like it, it's rattling our brains thinking about what they were thinking about. I can only yeah. imagine what they were actually thinking about. No, you're exactly right. That's just it. It's like we don't, it was so much. This one, I thought, I think we could honestly break down forever because it was so unique. Exactly. It, I mean, we could do this for like 12 episodes if we want as well, too. <laughs> but that's going to do it for my third one. Kelsey, let's go ahead and head into your third one before we go off on this wild TB12 tangent. So I'm going to kind of, this one's going to get a little sad, probably. And I, I apologize for that. But it's it also has a great com- uh, great ending at the end of this one. The Denmark Euro run. If you guys don't know what happened in the, in, in the Euros for Denmark, Obviously, you lose uh, your your leader in Ericsson in the first game to a traumatic event. Um, what can only be cited cardiac arrest on the field. You see the picture on this side of me. This is the team surrounding Ericsson as he's getting treated on the field. I made sure to mark out all the parts that you could possibly see that anything happening. But this is the moment that Denmark showed who they really are. They're getting beat. They're down one nothing. They just lose their best offensive player. They rally around to make sure that cameras don't show what might find people might find offensive or, or anything that might comprehend uh, uh, compromise their teammate. And then it sparks something in them. They rattle off a tie in that game, and then go on to make it all the way to the semifinals. Unheard of for a team. That is as lowly ranked as Denmark was to begin with, with full full power. You lose your best offense player. You bring in a 20-year-old who has had three caps to his name up until this point, and he leads your offense, and he hits free kicks for you as well. Your entire entire defense plays out of its mind, and you see this picture on the opposite side right here. This is the same teammates in the one picture you see the sorrow of it celebrating going to the semifinals off of peak uh, and, and off of what is just an absolutely ecstatic game. They, they got to show exactly what they meant. It, it shows everything you want to be as a team and, and not just captivating like a hundred thousand fans, not just captivating a million fans, couple million fans. No, this is captivated, captivated literally the whole world for a month. Denmark's Euro runs were 
something to talk about every day, whether you were a soccer fan or not. It, you literally looked up how is Denmark doing this today in the in the Euros? Like, did they win? Are they playing today? Can we go watch? Like, it was such something to just behold. And I don't know if it's divine intervention. I don't know if it's a higher power. I don't know what the reasoning is. But this was one of the more heart-wrenching turned feel-good stories I've ever experienced in my entire life, let alone just 2021. It kind of reminded me of those old March Madness runs, like those Cinderella runs of like a George Mason, a Wichita State, a Loyola Chicago, all those, but cranked up to 11 when you factor in everything that went into it as well, too. Like the run itself was like that, but you look at where it started and that was, you kind of hit it right on the head. Even if you weren't, every time it was like, are they playing? How's their run going? What is it was something that, even if you weren't overly invested in the entire Euro Euro run, you were looking at Denmark specifically as well, too. Always curious where they were at. Yeah, and this is one, again, this is the return of, like, they finally had fans in the stands, right? Like, this is, the Euros were played differently this year because it was, a, it was supposed to be held 2020. COVID pushed it back to 21. And it was held in different areas. But there, there were allowed fans. And, you know, this happened in front of Denmark's home fans, actually, which was even more like, oh, man, how are they going to do from this? And then, I mean, honestly, what can only be described as just a monumental run and a a historic run. I I mean, that's just something that you've – honestly, I don't think a single player on this team imagined fully healthy. They make it to the semifinals, truthfully. But here they are. They made it to the semifinals off of what is a horrific event. Who, by the way, Erickson has started playing rehab games recently, so it's not totally – like. He is getting better. So there is a bright silver lining to the end of this one. Like he's getting better. That Denmark team there, these players got a whole lot of money off of that, that run as well. A lot of of players signed a couple new deals as well. And there's a whole lot of positives to take out of this, but in something that started so terrifying, something so beautiful can come from it. Absolutely. As well too. a heart wrenching moment turns into a glorious, almost Cinderella type story at the back end of it as well too. For the fourth on mind list, I'm going to look at something that's more of a sentimental value as well, too. And it's the opening and closing ceremonies for the Summer Olympics as well, too. Obviously, the entire Olympic Games themselves, but those two, the opening and closing ceremonies, especially for me, considering they were canceled in 2020. These are still, even though it took place in 2021, it's still the Tokyo 2020 Olympics with the COVID pandemic shutting them down. We didn't even know if we were going to get them in 2021. Literally, the weeks leading up to it, we were like, well, are we going to have them? What's going on here? What's Are you going to change it? What? what? So when it finally did happen, you finally saw the opening ceremony, got to go through all of it. It was kind of a surreal moment because truth be told, we didn't really know when or if we were going to ever get back to that point as well, too. We didn't know if we were going to get to see global competition at that scale like we had seen. That's so many athletes, so many games, just seeing the highest level of competition the world has to offer happen once again as well, too. And it was just great to see those opening and closing ceremonies gave you a little bit of a tear as well, too. It's like we're we're finally somewhat resembling back to normalcy. Yeah, I mean, look, it was was something that, if you know, you hearken back to when uh when when we were able to interview Matt there, um the Paralympian, and he uh he talked about yeah like I'm training every day expecting it to happen, but at the same time in the back of my head I'm considering it if it didn't happen, and you know like all these athletes they didn't know some of them didn't know until the week before they were actually traveling that they would actually be capable of traveling, and to put on a Summer Olympics game of that magnitude it was. Honestly, this was this was a unique Summer Olympics as well. It kind of felt like a storybook, right? Like after the the dark cloud has gone away, like this is what came out of it. You talk about all the setbacks leading up to this too. The the, the river that was literally you couldn't swim in, and they had all of a sudden they're holding triathlons and and stuff in it. Like all the things that could have gone wrong for this this Olympics games didn't. And now that's the part of it that you just look at and you're like, wow. 
it actually happened finally. Like we finally are, are it felt like normalcy again. And then on top of that, all of those incredible gold medal runs like the Caleb Dressels, my goodness, every single gold medal he won, even though he basically made it a habit to win a gold medal at some points, they were still electric. It's like, oh my good, like you can only imagine how those started the field as well too. All the team events and seeing I've been watching the medal count as well too. Like I don't know why. Like I, I love the Olympics every year, but this one, Jeff Lee, you mentioned it. It was a movie. It was a TV show. It was it, there's a little bit something different to it, just because we had overcome so much to get to it. Yeah, and let's not forget there was a whole Simone Biles thing in all this as well, where she took a step back from all of her success because she didn't feel safe with her own body. Something that not all not a lot of athletes could ever admit to, like willingly admit that they would ever consider doing. She wholeheartedly took herself off a world stage because she knew one of her teammates could do better than she could. She was capable of doing at the time. And Suni Lee proved that exactly right. She went on to win gold in the all around, all around. And that was huge to prove Simone Biles' point. And, you know, it also is a huge step into just athlete progression and athlete health and just the awareness that comes with it. That was a whole moment in and of itself in an Olympic game that just was full of big moments. This was even above and beyond that to some degree. I'm not an author, but I'm sure somebody out there is, and they'd be able to write quite a movie or novel about these summer, just these Olympics alone, too, like a summer in 2021, something like that as well. So you could write quite an interesting book based off of this as well, too, I'd imagine. A summer in Tokyo. Uh, if anybody wants to use that title, uh, hit me up. Either one of those titles, uh, we'll drop the Venmo in the cash app below. Just let us know. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, it's funny we're talking about something in Tokyo, and uh, I'm going to reach over to a Japanese athlete who – captivated the american world and that's shohei otani uh just named by the way ap mel athlete of the year for 2021 added to his already impressive resume we got to do his opening game against the chicago white Sox, and that was we were talking about pitches we had never seen before and you see the pictures right here the man is pitching and hitting in games like in unheard of things that haven't been done since Babe Ruth, he was doing them and he made them look easy, which is what was terrifying. What's crazy you talked about? We called that opening game for Missile too. His second pitch, he cracked a home run on. Like I remember we were watching, you're like, hey, keep an eye on this guy. He's actually doing both of them. That's pretty that's impressive. I was like, Oh yeah, that's weird. I never expect that. Oh, he can crack too, is what you're telling me as well, too. Not only is he one of the uh, this outstanding pitcher that was throwing, I think it was like three strikeouts in that first inning or something like that. But then his first time at bat, he, throw, he throws one into the eighth row. That's I haven't seen anything like this baseball-wise in a very, very long time. Like There's a lot of talk. Mike Trout, obviously, deservingly so at some point, too, when he was that dude. I think Shohei Otani might be taking that, and he might be running away with it for a while. Well, so here's something to think about. There has not been a single pitcher or a single player to be a power hitter and pitcher with the amount of success that Otani had this year since Babe Ruth did it for the Boston Red Sox in 1919. So quite literally 102 years since somebody had been able to do the, the the levels of pitching and hitting he had at the same time, being a dual threat. I mean, he hit 46 home runs and drove in 100 runs. I, that's what? <laughs> like You don't just do that when you're pitching as well as he did. On top of that, he started 23 games, went 9-2, and 3.18 ERA, 156 strikeouts in 130 innings. I'm sorry, but that's – those stats are – I mean, if you just took a season – if you could take a season and put into a Hall of Fame, this season will forever live in infamy as just one of the greatest single seasons 
for an athlete to ever play. This is up there with, I'm sorry, but this is up there with Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders playing two sports. This is how hard pitching and hitting is at the highest level. When you are doing both day to day, I'm, I'm blown away. It's, 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 it was some something fantastic to watch. It was something that I will love forever, and I, I hope this continues and he can continue doing this at a high level because this was so fun to watch. Here's the thought. Do you think that maybe he could start a trend where we see more players doing this? Do you think it is possible for other players to do this, or do you think he is that much of an anomaly that really only he and maybe one other percent can do it? Or do you think there's a chance we could see maybe a trend where a few more guys try to do it maybe a little more frequently, even if it's not quite as effective? I think you might see it a few more times, um, especially coming kids coming out of college. Um but I don't think it's going to be successful. Like the biggest thing with this is, is Otani did it on the international stage first and proved that he could do it against some quality talent in the world baseball classics. And then took it over to playing in the J the Japanese league and then playing now in, in America. So it's like, I don't think there's ever going to be that, that type of a, a perspective to it, but I do think we might see one or two more try. Definitely never got, not going to be on the same level though. It's a, uh, if someone can emulate that level, I can only, I can't even imagine, let alone surpass it. I don't, I don't look forward to that because it's going to be like, oh my goodness, that test them immediately. That's the only way I can think of it at this point. Absolutely. And as we're starting to, to wind down, DJ, we have our final one each. So let's start with your final five. So I'm going to go with, weirdly enough, the most recent one that has happened on my list as well, too. I'm looking at Bryce Young's performance against Georgia's vaunted all time great defense. And he went in there and put on an absolute clinic. We called this game and we were like, uh, what are you, are you kidding me? Is, are you, are you serious right now? Four touchdowns. I believe it was 400 plus yards ran one in as well too. He put on absolute clinic and shredded that defense top to bottom. Granted Georgia's offense did absolutely nothing whatsoever. So he got plenty of opportunities, but Bryce Young pieced them apart and literally probably won himself a Heisman trophy in just that game alone in a year where there was no one that really stood out for the Heisman trophy is probably the most open a competition has ever been. He opened, closed, shut, locked, threw away the key, set the door on fire, and ended it with just that game alone as well. Put it on absolute clinic, set themselves up for what looks, put them at the number one seed, won the SEC championship, and I haven't seen a performance like that since maybe even Joe Burrow when he was at LSU. Honestly, on that level, I don't know if I've ever seen a performance that good, considering how good the defense was. I think that's the biggest part of this is like, We've seen it against good teams, but never against a defense that, as you said, is 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 otherworldly. Uh, you know, number one in as many categories as you could possibly imagine. We had not seen a team, a guy dominate a team like that ever. Like Cam Newton never did it to a team that was that good. Joe Burrow never did it to a team that was that good defensively. Um, going back before that, Joe Montana never did it against a team that was that good. Uh, Andrew Luck never did it against a team that was that good. Trevor Lawrence never did. I mean, like, you can go down the line of quarterbacks. None of them had ever had this type of performance against that good of a defense. Heck, well, there's arguments that we'd never seen a defense that good as well, too, and he made them look amateurish as well. They got – that's a front seven full of NFL prospects. I mean, Jordan Davis for Heisman, we were high on that campaign as well, too. Get the big Manson love. That was eliminated. Jordan Davis wasn't even on the field for half the game, it felt like, because he was – he couldn't get to Bryce Young. It was kind of pointless side of mouth is what it felt like. They nullified the big man. And that was what's crazy is he's coming off a week of – against Auburn, which, by the way, again, you throw kind of rivalry records aside, but against Auburn, who managed to find a way, mostly due to the Jamison Williams being being ejected type of situation and the injury to the running back, but they found a way to take him to four overtimes. Uh, you know, uh, Auburn did. And so then he comes into against Georgia. like, oh, God, what is Georgia about to do to him? Nothing. The answer is not a thing. He's going to wipe the floor with Georgia's defense and make them look 
more like puppies than they are bulldogs. Absolutely. They they were neutered bulldogs in that game as well, too. And he, he went on absolute clinic, and I'll be hard-pressed to see if we see anything like that. If we even see a defense that good to go against it, for someone to go against and have success with. So Bryce Young winning the Heisman Trophy and probably punched his ticket. It was similar to when Trevor Lawrence completely diced up Alabama's defense in that national championship game as true freshman year. And from that moment on, he was the number one pick whenever he decided to come out. Basically, every year, no matter who it is, it's like, well, Trevor Lawrence would be number one, blah, blah, blah. I think Bryce Young might just put himself in that category as well. Because I think this year, if he could come out, you can make a strong case he'd be over the Kenny Pickett's, the Matt Corrals, et cetera. And, and of course, uh, we have the keep talking that smack. It's not talking smack when it's factual. This is the thing. He legitimately destroyed UGA's defense in what should have been a UGA walkthrough. But it wasn't. Bryce Young destroyed the best defense in the country when he shouldn't. I will say if they rematch, I think it's going to be a little bit of a different game. We'll, we'll see how well, these going to be different. We'll see thing. how the playoffs games go as well, too, when they go with their playoff games coming up this Friday, which will be on the call for. But I can't imagine it's going to be very similar if they do rematch in the Natty. Yeah, like anybody who looks at that game and thinks Georgia was playing like a Georgia team should, uh, <laughs> you're kidding yourself. Like that was not Georgia we saw it on the field, to be honest. That was like Georgia West East Coast Savannah Community College that is out there trying to play in, in Georgia colors. That was not that was not the Georgia we had ever seen before. And yeah, Georgia doesn't have a whole lot of speed at defensive back this year after losing guys like Tyson Campbell, Eric Stokes, and I think Alabama found a way to just basically isolate their four two one running guys out on islands with those guys and somehow managed to nullify that front seven of Georgia, which was not possible. I didn't think I thought you would literally need a brick wall to potentially even slow them down, let alone stop them. But they found a way to do that and they completely matched the strength. They completely got their strength, their one major strength out on an island. So I don't think that'll happen again. We'll have to see how if they get a rematch. But this performance from Bryce Young to me is one that stuck out like, oh wow, that's a that's different. Because he couldn't miss. There's the meme he doesn't miss that they show that there's that's on Twitter all the time. He literally felt like he could not miss after that those first two drives. Yeah, and you know Georgia continuing the the tr- the, the trend that is uh, it, uh, Georgia teams struggling in big games. Uh, you just had to throw that one in there, didn't you? Well, exactly. it's 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 a lead into my 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 final moment for 2021, and that is, well, the Braves finally exercising all the demons and winning a World Series for the state of Georgia. The Braves, I mean, look, a team that was literally you could say was counted out at midseason, had a 500 record at the All Star break. You lose Ronald Acuna Jr. You lose all your other masterpieces. You get Jock Peterson out of all people, and you're like, "Oh, this is this is great." Like, we'll see what we can do here. And and the Braves win the World Series. And lo and behold, I mean, they take all the uh, you know naysayers away. All those Dodgers lovers or Trey Turner lovers, some of them out there, uh, you know, had to shut up and watch as the Braves won the World Series against the old trash can and Astros. And they, you know, I bet you, I wonder, I wonder if Dodgers fans out there decided to, if they did cheer for the Astros, if they maybe regret that a little bit. I'm I'm, sorry, I'm guessing you were invested heavily in the Braves because I could tell by you calling them the trash, or you weren't as well, too. And it's kind of surprising because you mentioned, too, the favorites felt like it was the Giants or the Brewers or the Dodgers. Like it felt like anybody but the Braves, honestly. Like a, a, a <laughs> very few people picked them to even win a series, let alone get all the way there and take the whole thing. I thought it was a joke that they made the playoffs. Honest to God, I thought it was a joke they made the playoffs. I, I couldn't lie to anybody and say otherwise. Like I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking here, looking at the standings going at the end of the season. I'm like, the Braves are in the playoffs. Like, no, 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 no. That's a joke. It's the Nationals. It's it's the Phillies. It's not the Braves. No, I was wrong. It's the Braves. Okay, well, the Braves are getting knocked out the first round. No, 
No, the Braves didn't get knocked out the first round. Um, they're, they're knocked out the second round. Yeah, they'll, they'll lose somewhere. Dodgers will beat them. No, nah, Dodgers couldn't beat them. Oh, they'll lose to the Astros. The Astros are looking good. Nah, nah, the Astros couldn't beat them either in Houston, by the way. Hmm. And yeah, I hats off to Freddie Freeman and this Braves franchise. First of all, Freddie Freeman, one of my favorite first basemen in the league, uh, a guy who is just kind of that all lovable hometown guy. And, um, you know, it doesn't go searching for the big money deals, if you will. Stays in stays in one city um, and supports them. And we'll, we'll see if he stays in Atlanta in the offseason. He has that opportunity. But I, I'm glad to see him get a World Series. I hate that the Braves get another World Series just from the old Giants-Braves rivalries. But better the Braves than the Astros or the Dodgers is all my all I have to say. They came in as cannon fodder and they left out as, as as champions. It's absolutely crazy. And hopefully that's not our only baseball moment of 2021 as well, too, considering what that whole lockout situation is well, too. Hopefully that plays out. Obviously, we're still a few ways away from that, but uh, hopefully it does, it's not a long time before we get to see this something like this again. Yeah, look, I mean, please. I don't need a lockout 20. The moment that people start threatening their money, though, I feel like this is going to come, like, lockdown shutting down. It's going to be like, okay, yeah, we signed, the, we signed the, the, the collective bargaining agreement. We'll get to it next year. Yeah, we'll figure this out later. Just uh, play ball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> once opening day gets a little bit closer, once you get into March and stuff, it's like, oh yeah, those opening day tickets. Uh, what people starting to refund those? You know what? We're 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 good. Everyone get out there. The money is always right. They won't even make it through canceling spring training. They couldn't even make it through canceling spring training during COVID. <laughs> they yeah. still had spring training during COVID and still sold tickets to certain people. So, uh, yeah, they they're they're not even gonna make it through spring training and missing money. Like catcher's pitcher's report might be pushed back a week, and that's going to be it. They'll find a way as well, too. I mean, the way that COVID's going right now through the leagues, they'll get in there. I I, I agree. I think it's going to, I think everything will be fine as well, too. And do you think the Braves have a chance to repeat as world champions, or was this kind of a one off year for them? Do you think this was their one shining run? I, I mean, they got healthier. Like, <laughs> if they keep Freddie Freeman and they got healthier, I don't see why they couldn't. I, I don't like to say yes, <laughs> I don't want to say yes. I just don't see why they couldn't. To be to be completely honest, though, they did like you get more weapons back, and you if you keep Freddie Freeman, you keep your stalwart first baseman. Like, sure, I don't see why they don't have a chance. I think there's some teams out there in the in the AL who have a lot to say about that, but <laughs> I think truthfully, the NL, uh, as far as the Braves go, sure, yeah, why not? Yeah, I'm, they look they look pretty good. I mean, the Giants might have a, and the Dot Giants might have a word here or there. The well, Dodgers, the Giants but... Giants lose Buster Posey, and that's a huge issue, obviously, to retirement, which. Wish him all the best in the in the retirement. By the way, a uh, Georgia kid. Hmm. Um, so fun fact for you. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, you know, I don't know the Giants. Maybe Dodgers. Yeah, always. Well, first things first. We we got to at least get to you know training camp first before we can yeah. get that. We we'll actually get have to get to an off season. We'll yeah, we'll get to the off season before we worry about that as well. But that'll do it for our main event. A bit of a year end review, if you will. So that's gonna take us to Kelsey's favorite segment of the, of it all. Crunch time presented by Swift Lifestyles. Go and click the link in our bio. It's basically considered like pre-workout with all that without the negative side effects like the extreme itchiness or the sweating as well, too. Great. It's kind of or like gamer feel as well, too. Definitely give it a try. I really like blue raspberry. I know Kelsey's got a bit of an affinity for bubble gum as well, too. Use code HYLOSPORTS. Get yourself a 15% discount as well. It's my bubbly, sweet personality. What can I say? Wow. You know what? For that, you get to go first. You tell us about your crunch time, and hopefully it doesn't pop like that bubble just did. Oh, well, I really hope not because we only have two days left of 2021. So I'm looking forward to 2022 with my crunch time. I honestly don't have much to, to complain about right now. Obviously, there's a whole lot I could complain about. But what is the point when it's about to be washed away in a couple days for me? Um, uh, 2022 is going to be a whole lot of fun for me. A whole lot of fun for this podcast. 
Uh, we got a whole lot of things planned coming up in 2022, a whole lot of new partners, a whole lot of new friends we've made in 2021 that we're going to be doing things with in 2022. Can't wait for that. And really, like, belly up, Hilo Sports. We work with ColorCast a lot. There's a lot of big things in the works, a lot of coals in the fire, and and we get to hope we get to bring you a whole lot of fun. And maybe, just maybe if COVID dies down, maybe some live events too. Well, what, what do we normally have this segment for? Rankings, recaps, and rants. And you let me down here, so I'm going to take over on this one as the final rant of the year in one that hits us both right in the heart. And I'm looking at college football bowl season. And you know what it's turned into, Kelsey? It has turned into the Pro Bowl. At this point, nobody wants to play in them unless it's one of the three, four, the three college football playoff games, the two semifinals and the final game. Everything else, nobody were, nobody wants to play in them. Look at how many people opted out this year. Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson for Ohio State. Kenny Pickett, the quarterback of Pittsburgh. Kenneth Walker from Michigan State. you got got Brees Hall from Iowa State. Players are opting out all over the place. Half of, not, It feels like every single bowl game this night, a college football playoff game, has been relegated into a preseason game at this point. And I do not fault any of them in the slightest bit. Go get ready for the draft. Go get ready for the combine. Some of these guys, Jahan Dotson on that list as well, too. A lot of these guys are going to make, they're going to either make or lose more money in their offseason, like the combines, the pro days, that sort of thing as well. Then they win a bowl game. A lot of them probably don't have a whole lot to gain. But damn, it does kind of hurt the product, which could so easily be solved if you have more college football playoff games. You have what the New Year's Six Bowls as well. Have 10 teams make the playoff, two of them get a bye week. Seems so simple. And yet here we are where you could answer this one for me, Kelsey. How many bowl games really stick out to you so far this year? I mean, like there's a few of them. Obviously, we love football. It's fun to see them. But there's not – we're just like, oh, I can't wait to see Kenny Pickett versus Kenneth Walker in the Peach Bowl. Well, shoot. Oh, yeah, the Rose Bowl. You mean Utah versus Ohio State? Oh, well, I got CJ Stroud throwing to some other four-star recruit I've never heard of. I guess who will probably end up being a first-round pick in five years. But still, it's like that half of the reason you want to tune in, a lot of the players are no longer there. Through no fault of their own, do not fault them. I fault the system that has been put put into place. Yeah, okay. First of all, yeah, let's let's clear that out. Let's just say that the system put put into place is the reason to blame because, honestly, I'm with you. I'm like, the players, go get your money. Don't get hurt. Go get your money. Especially but guys I, like Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson who are going the first round and you have yeah. nothing to gain by playing necessarily considering there's nothing on the line. Yeah, I, I do think there are players that opted out that probably had an opportunity. I do think Kenneth Murray is the guy. You look at he had an opportunity. Why? I think Kenny Pickett – oh, yeah, Kenneth – Sorry, Kenneth Walker, yes. Uh, and then Kenny Pickett. But I think both of those guys had opportunities to increase draft stock just because competition. I mean, you play against Michigan State's defense, you light them up, you look good. You play against Pitt's defense, you light them up, that's top 20 team, you look good. Um, now, there are other other guys like Roger McCreary for Auburn. I don't blame him. Uh, Jahan Dotson, don't blame him. I, I do think the safety for Penn State probably Robert, had a chance. Yeah, yeah, he had a chance to, to, to pick up a couple spots here and there, maybe make himself – going into the offseason look better but yeah i, I look i you you took the two games i was actually interested in and two games we've talked about especially the rose bowl like used to mean something so much so that utah has a helmet specially designed with a rose in it to say you know the playing for the roses which i think is actually a really sick helmet their whole jersey setup is really sick but it doesn't mean anything anymore when you just throw it out to the side like it literally doesn't mean anything when it's not a a playoff game and that's as sad as it is. Do you think maybe this is obviously a long reach and it wouldn't change a whole lot, but like with the NIL deal, maybe somehow if like the winning teams got paid from this, kind of like how the all-star game, like they yeah. get money for a charity, maybe the winning team gets paid. I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of ways to make bowl season fun again right now. When we go bowling, it's almost it's almost in theory now than it is in practice, if that makes sense. 
Oh, absolutely. I think it would help for sure. I mean, look, you have games getting canceled that like, so the Holiday Bowl, by the way, got canceled and reinstated. The reason why? $6.5 million payout for the winning school and conference. That's why it got reinstated. <laughs> Not to the players, though. They don't get any of that $6.5 million, but I digress. That's an old other story. But we had to end it on a rant because that is a rant's recaps, rankings. That's what you come here for. We've done plenty of re- rankings. We've done some re- – we just did a recap. Had to end it on a rant. So we appreciate you guys tuning in with us for our final – episode of 2021 2022 as you mentioned a lot of great things coming forward and i look forward to it absolutely i can't wait so guys uh, get ready for 2021 crack a cold one open and you know while you're at it maybe just be safe uh we want to see you guys in 2022 and ready to go first week of 2022 we'll be back as always every wednesday and thursday we'll, our live stream on wednesday we'll re-air the audio on thursdays just like normal you guys can always catch us on Colorcast. we'll be there live this weekend friday night 3 30 and 7 30 for the playoff games and then we'll be doing monday night football as well this week so we cannot wait for that one guys as always we appreciate you guys tuning in and dj any final words as we go into 2022 can't wait to see you guys there should be a good doozy and hopefully it isn't like 2022 hopefully it is a whole nother year in itself it's not just 2020 too that's all i can hope for moving forward i think on that note the dad jokes are done for 2021 and we will see you guys as always next